But can I talk to you about something that I was never taught? In fact, as I move into this, the title of my little speaking session, my little story, and I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I lead from my faith. It's who I am. I know not everybody in here does that, but it's who I am. It's who our family is. But I want to talk about something I never heard of. Never heard of this thing called generational wealth. Never heard of this thing about how to pass it on to your children. Am I talking to anybody yet? I never heard of this thing simply titled Becoming a Generational Wealth Visionary. I want you to write that down real quick. You know, there's a scripture that says where much is given, much is required. We think that's a Spider-Man quote, not. There's something about when you begin to realize you have in your hands something that can change not just you, not just your end of the month, not just trying to hit a goal, but I'm talking about generations. Are you ready for this? Come on, get fired up. Let me hear you real quick. Because you got to understand, you got to decide today, would you rather live in abundance and wealth more than, the, more than the poverty mindset that has never served you? You're going to hear some of my faith as I share about this today, because it's who I am. But at the same time, my goal is for you to transform from a get-by mindset to watch my children grow in this. I'm going to be honest with you, this company changed us. I've traveled about three and a half million miles around the world, spoke on six different continents. But until we came into this, I had not fulfilled my identity. In fact, we had this get-by mindset every month. And I'm going to be honest, if your wife, if, if, if you're married and the wife handles the finances, finances can crush her spirit. I never knew. I was just like, oh, we just live by faith. And Karen were like, we live in by faith, but we broke, baby. But see, there's a mindset that you got to shift into. In fact, one of my favorite books that began to change me was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Incredible book. In fact, I bought the children's version for my kids. And he made this statement. He said, if you want to be rich, simply serve more people. Now, we're talking about finances. Disclaimers right there. But we're talking about going deeper into mindset where you begin to shift. You begin to realize you belong at the table. You begin to realize, see, I'm addicted to something. I'm addicted to seeing lives transformed. I always have been. From the moment I went to college to uh, I was an athlete, showed up at college, played tennis, played baseball at my school a little bit. And and, but there was something inside of me that said, if I can just change lives, I'll make my dash count. That's why I fell in love with Optavia. So let's talk about this. Because I'm talking about generational wealth. And when I talk about that, I love what one of the top leaders in the company, Gina Echoes, always talks about five generations. What if you could create something? And you're going to hear from Craig in just a moment, who's just a rock star. He's going to walk you into the finances of what it means to be an Optavia coach. But what if you begin to think five generations so that your grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren will whisper your name because you started something? Is there any fire starters in this room? Anybody that says, I want to end something? Anybody that says, I want to shift something? I can't hear you. you got to talk to me. I'm used to amens. Where you begin to understand that what if I could break this thing? You have to understand what I'm talking about. I, I was raised in poverty. My brother Scott, Scott's right over wherever he's at. He's somewhere. Who's a miracle, by the way. Y'all give it up for Scott. You'll hear his story later. 
But we were raised in, raised in absolute poverty. We knew what it was like to wait for those colored money to come in the mail or to go pick up on the 10th of every month so we could go buy groceries. We understood. We stood in the back of bread lines. We caught the government cheese, but you can make some amazing grilled cheese off that government cheese. I'm going to tell you. I mean, it's like the greatest. Anyway. But we understood that, but you need to know when no one in our family had ever passed on an inheritance in our family. We're breaking that. My father gave us an inheritance in 1975, a spiritual inheritance when he changed his life and left the drug-addicted life of living in Detroit, Michigan, but no one had ever done that. So let's talk about generational wealth. Can I give you the first key? Write this down. Generational wealth, key number one. Realize this is your now. I, I put some stuff underneath it, but there's a moment where you will de either decide to build something special and ignore the voice of yesterday's excuses or you'll choose to stay at the mercy of others and hope that the next generation will try harder. I didn't get it done, but maybe my kids will. I didn't make something happen for our family. But you know what? Man, I taught them to get up early. Taught them to work hard. What if you were the one that said, I did do it. I did pass something on. Because generational poverty is never broken until somebody says, it's up to me. Until somebody says, okay, it stops at my front door. We're not going to have this in our family anymore. I love what Mark Twain said. He said, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you did not do than by the ones you did. When you begin to realize, man, we put something in your hands that can shift your family. They can change every right decisions can determine the path to freedom. So I decided, I said, okay, five generations, let's go back. I went five back, I went back five generations of my family. It was the year, it was in the 1800s. A man by the name of Joseph Schatzlin decided to get on a boat. The date was September 25th, 1894. I went in and studied it. The passenger record, our last name is German Jew, was spelled differently then. They flipped it because of some persecution. Where they signed him in. You know what he did? He, he worked on carriages. He worked with his hands. He worked with leather. He was a tanner. I went back to see what he did. By the way, he was in what you call the steerage department on a boat. He got on this ship. This is the ship he sailed on. It, was, it started out. And he gets on this ship. It was owned by the same company that owned the Titanic. Thank goodness he didn't get on that one, amen. I mean, been laid up there with Levi Strauss and on an iceberg, watch it. But he came into port. He signed into Ellis Island by himself, a single man, and said, let's start something. Now, he probably was third class. He was probably in the steerage. Can I tell you that steerage mindset followed our family for generations but I got to cheer him on at least he got on the boat at least he decided to make a difference I'll never forget because I went off to college my, my dad went to college when he was almost 30 years old my grandfather went in his 50s they tried to start something so here I am right out of high school I go to college, I had $300 in my pocket, that was it. Drive down to Florida, get there to college, 
immediately had to go start filling out applications to try to get a job. One month I ate a case of ravioli because I thought I like ravioli. I will never eat ravioli again the rest of my life. <laughs> the devil's in it. But I get there and I'm so broke, I went to a buy here, pay here place and bought a car. $94 a month. I bought, and I love, used to love to tell my friends, I said, bro, I got a bet. I got me a bet, but I had a Chevette. <laughs> Listen, you want to go out with somebody to leave the shut off. When I met Karen, I'm like, I got a bet. <laughs> you know what's crazy? So did she. I drove that car. At one point, I'm driving to her house one night after I got off work to go see her, and the brakes locked up. I mean, the whole thing went, it just died. I'm like dragging back wheels. We started dating. Met her at church, the best dating club, youth group. Walked in the back, and I saw her up there. She was, <laughs> it was not, it was lust. I mean, I was lusting in church. I'm going to hell. Now watch. My friend liked her, and I said, look at you, and look at me. If you're going to win the war, you got to get cocky, boys. We get married. We're pastoring at this little church. I eventually got rid of that Chevette, but you know what I didn't get rid of? My Chevette mindset didn't believe we were worthy. So you know what you do when you're still driving the old? You soup it up. You turn your Chevette into something like that. It's still a Chevette. It's better than a Pinto. If you tap it from behind, it's going to explode. Pinto people in this room. See, I'm going to teach you something for a second. Can I give you a generational wealth? Key number two. Change how you see you. You belong at the table. I didn't believe I belonged at the table. When you watch that video of me holding my little girl for the first time in China this morning and that Karen just blew it up. That was such an incredible. When I'm sitting there holding Abby, I'll never forget taking off on the flight out of Beijing. And God spoke to my heart at that moment and said, never hurt her. You rescued her from hell. Don't put her back there. And something shifted inside of me, including my credit card payments. Amen. Because a girl can shop just like her mama. They got that crazy addictions. <laughs> Never seen people get their nails done so often. I mean, I got a pair of clippers. <laughs> generational, generational wealth key number two. Change how you see. Let me, I wrote this down. Every time you decide that you're not worthy to grow a great business or mission, you are telling God, the one who made you, something's flawed inside of you. You're also telling your children that they have negative DNA. Can I just tell you, God don't make mistakes. You are not an oops, you're not an accident. I don't care how you came into this world. It doesn't matter what's on your birth certificate, who signed it and who didn't. It doesn't matter what last name is on there. Because there's a moment where you begin to understand if we can just get you to change what you're driving. Get you to leave out of that Chevette mindset. I remember when we first got married, we lived in a little shack, a three-bedroom, one-bath uh, one shack on this church campgrounds. It's called a parsonage, demonic word, and it's a way to own people. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But we had this vision. 
but I had this thing called self-doubt. And it sabotaged me. Can I give you an honest moment? I had to conquer what I call a failure spirit, and it followed me into Octavia. I wrote about it in my book, Unqualified, how I used to get secretly depressed, and the only one that knew it was Karen, and all I could do was, I'd call her, and I'd say, the cloud is here, and she knew what it meant. Depression, my grandfather had it, my dad had it. One day I went, this sounds silly, and some of you are going to think this is super spiritual, and I don't care, because we're in a church, so nah. But God spoke to my heart and he said, go dance. I was speaking in Gettysburg at the uh, anniversary of 150 years of the Gettysburg battle where 53,000 people lost their lives to prove, that, to prove that all people are created equal. Speaking at this massive celebration, I called her and I said, it's back. And God said, if you'll go dance before me in the battlefield, I'll set you free. I know that sounds silly. But I get out there on FaceTime. I, I, this is not in my notes. And I begin to dance. He said, dance where others have died. I thought I'm going to get arrested. There's a redneck out here. People are out there. It's a hundred, I mean, thousands of people. And it left me and it never came back. But I, I want to be honest with you. I didn't feel like I belonged, but you got to change how you see yourself. You belong at the king's table. I'm going to preach some truth to you for just a second because this is what I do. What you do not confront will always own your future. Until the issue of paternity is put at rest, you'll always live in the wrong families. And there's a moment where you begin to realize you belong here. You're out there. You're out in the tent. You're out in this place. You come on trainings every week. You belong to us. We're a part of this thing. We lock arms. A whole bunch of nobodies that have locked arms become a somebody to change the world. And there's a moment where you begin to shift your mindset. And let me just speak to the priests and kings in this room because there's a lot of them. Some of you are in ministry. Some of you are in business. Some of you do both. That was a struggle for me. I'm writing a book about it right now. But I wrote this down. Priests and kings becoming one. A vision for ministry. I'm just going to say it. And this is not everybody. And some of you may not even like this. But I'm cool with it. Because we carried the budget. Here we go. A vision for ministry and a vision for business is not a competing vision. The two complement each other. They are both in you. If the two join forces, your children will never walk around with an imbalanced view of the other. It changes the next generation's mindset. In fact, if you walk in both, your family will never understand the competition of ministry and business because it will be ingrained in them that the two are one. Somebody help me. But you got to realize that you belong at the table. Write that down. Generational wealth number three, you belong at the table. Defeating the orphan spirit that causes you to shrink back will also destroy the very mindset that drives generational poverty. Once you realize that you're a child of the king, you'll sit at the table. Why am I sharing that with you? We had succeeded in ministry. We had written all this stuff. We had done it. But something was missing. I was feeding the monster every week. And then all of a sudden, we read this thing called a comp plan. Then all of a sudden, we start living out. We trip into this. Life starting seven years ago next week is the anniversary. Lives started getting transformed. People started shifting. Things started, suddenly start going, man, maybe we're okay at this. I don't know. Maybe we can meet a Kristen Dowd who has this massive business, but she, when she came in, she was in a horrible, abusive marriage. Maybe I can meet a John Michael Kilpatrick who is 
miserable. Maybe I can meet a Trevor who I met out in the hall. He handed me this little tiny bottle. You can't even see it, but inside of it's a little seed called a mustard seed. Trevor, where are you at? Telling me his story out in the hall. Trevor, if you're here, holler at me. I can't see you. I'll never forget when we decided to become two crazy dreamers. We ended up naming our LLC there if you want to write a check. <laughs> because Karen and I, no matter how broke we were, one date we went on, we bought a candy bar and a Coke. Can't do that anymore. We could eat a s'mores bar now. But <laughs> she was pregnant with my son. You'll meet Nate tonight. But we always said to each other, we don't have anything, but we're two crazy dreamers. We started expanding our intellect. We started dreaming bigger dreams because we understood something. Let me give you generational wealth key number four, and I'll wrap this up. Put the work, set the goals, plan your future. If you never stop to build something special, your business, put in the time, do the grind, keep pushing then your children or grandchildren will not have to look to someone else for advice. I don't want my grandsons, Jack and Andy, to go to anybody and say, can you teach me about business? Can you teach me about my why? Can you teach me how to build an organization? Can you teach me how to pull people together? Can you, te can you teach me how to talk somebody off the roof that wants to quit? There's a lot of people that were in this room last year that aren't here because they didn't have the buffalo mindset. Action is the antidote for a disease called regrets. When you leave here, that's why I said, just give me five and one. Five and one. Go find five. When you leave here, something should be in here. And by the way, you heard Moses come up here and talk about the, the Latino community, the Hispanic community. Welcome to Texas. You should be talking to every person you meet here because the Latino and Hispanic community are major op entrepreneur mindsets. Look at your business, reverse engineer it. Clearly define your next step goals. Set next level water levels. By the way, Optivia is putting together a major event in November for uh, integrated nationals and above. You should qualify for it. It's going to be pretty cool. They're putting together a trip for us all to go on. But see, you need to know this, and I, I did this. Business goals, Dan Bell said this. Business goals are the bridge that connects the logic of the compensation plan to the emotion of your dreams and helps you create and execute a strategy. I'll never forget when I started studying God's word. And I went to Genesis, the beginning of everything. And then I started studying the four streams in Genesis. And the four streams in Genesis, when you begin to study them, kind of blow your mind. A river went out of Eden. And it basically says river. There's Eden. There's a, a dip. One river's named Pison. Another one's called Gahan. Hittichel, Euphrates. Okay, that's cool. Whatever, Pat. What does that mean? And I began to realize, what if you had four ways to create wealth for your family. Because when you put those names together, this is God's purpose and plan for creation. You have four streams. Now a stream of prosperity went out of the pleasure of pleasure to furnish the enclosure. From there it parted and became a rapid bursting forth with increase in fruitfulness. So I thought, how do I create four streams for my family? What's well, the four bucket rule? Our wealth manager that works with Karen and I talked to us about it. Learning how to create the strategy of immediate 12 months. These are These are... Funds are day-to-day, -day, such as checking and saving, emergency fund, and then near-term. These funds focus on the next three years. 
This is a conservative investment in liquid funds. You know, you can talk to your wealth manager about it if you want to take it or find one. You need one. There's a quarterback. Then midterm, another bucket you need to create for your family. These funds are invested with moderate risk, earmarks, projects, events, trips, mutual funds, bonds, long-term. We know what that is, Roth, 401K. You should do all that. Your compensation that drops every month around the 11th should already be being put in buckets, whether you're an ED or you're an IPD, because you're making up your mind to let something create wealth for you. Are you with me so far? It's how to have a generational wealth mindset. Build your four buckets. Last one, I'm done. I've gone a minute over. Sorry, Craig. Generational wealth key number five. You ready for this? Be bold with your family about your wins. My daughter, Abby, can literally walk you through the five and one better than anybody in this room. She's heard it so many times. I've been on teacups at Disney, Sharon. But be bold about your wins. Celebrate the moments. Bring them into the room. That's called creating generational wealth mindset. Help them experience it. Success breeds success. Our son ended up running for office because we helped him dream. Abby's got a dream to launch her own business. Why? We didn't have those dreams seven years ago. We didn't do that. We were all stuck in the same family role. Your shoulders are their stepladders, whether it's a block that they get to step up to or it's a ladder on the back of a fire truck. Realizing that as Craig gets ready to come up here in just a moment and share about this, that you have been given a gift. If you just rescue about 16 people, watch what happens. If you begin to shift something in your mindset, where you begin to realize the funny thing that is that our children and grandchildren will not only stand higher than us, but they'll have a much better view. Begin to think generationally. I do it for my family. I do it for these guys. They own me. I want them to say one thing after I die. In 80 years. Karen's already promised me she won't get remarried. I'll come back and haunt them. <laughs> I want them to say about Pat. He was faithful. Shared this on a training recently, the definition of faithfulness. is having the stamina to keep, I wrote this on a dark day. You ever had those dark days? Having the stamina to keep believing when there are no answers to your questions or when the shout to keep going has become a whisper of just hold on so you've learned to just hold on. Let's go into the storm together. Let's build something for our families. I can't wait to meet your great-great-grandchildren. Let's do this.